Hello, hello, and welcome to another Win Daily Sports Show. My name is Michael Brazil, and this is a little special show we got. We got Keith Cavanaugh Jr., Win Daily Sports writer, handicapper, hockey pick maker, money maker. Keith, how you doing today, buddy? I'm good, man. Good. Just you know, going through the NHL slate day by day, winning some money, and just having a good time with it. That is what we are here to do. Keith has been brought on. I would say about what, like two weeks ago now. Keith created the model. Not um, you know, you didn't really try too hard with the name, but whatever, it works. It works. And uh, Keith has been picking a bunch of hockey games for us over the the last couple of weeks. We've been profitable the last five days. We've been profitable overall, which is exactly what you love to see. Make sure to follow Keith at Keith Cav Jr. Make sure to follow me at Michael Brazil One Us at Wind Daily Sports. Drop a like, drop a comment, ask us. There's only three games tonight, so we only have one pick for you, and we'll get to that a little bit later. But Keith, I gotta ask, how what, how'd you get into creating a model for picking hockey games? I mean, it's a uh, kind of far out there. Most people pick football. You went with hockey. Yeah, hockey's just always been my favorite sport, and like nothing against football, soccer, baseball, basketball, the other good sports. It's just I have the most passion for hockey. Um, had season tickets to the New Jersey Devils since I was three, so that's just kind of what I was brought into, and just been going to games ever since. Um, and then after like college, kind of just really got into you know the analytics and the sports betting aspects of hockey, and then from there just kind of thought, well, uh, I feel like I could do maybe a little better job than Vegas does with uh, predicting the game. So kind of just took my own approach with uh, how I've been betting on hockey, kind of watching the games every night, and then just going from there. And it's been working out so far this season. It has. It's been working out for you. I think this season you're hitting at almost a 60% clip. Unfortunately, we only hopped on the last couple of weeks. We're still doing pretty well, though. We're plus money, which is exactly what we like to see, especially the last five games, which has been pretty nice. And hockey, man, like I, this is the first year where I've started to bet hockey much more. Obviously, telling you, I have a couple other buddies that I like that, uh, that know the sport pretty well. Um, but man, betting the puck line. That is just the last three minutes of every game makes it so much more interesting. Unfortunately, the odds are all whacked out half the time, but I am betting the puck line is just electric. How often do you try and find that edge where it's that one and a half, two goal edge versus, you know what, let's just let's just take the safe money, take the money line, walk away. Yeah, so usually, um, so the good thing with hockey too, uh, so most sports, obviously, you have the spread that fluctuates with the different points, but with hockey, it's always minus one and a half, plus one and a half, minus one and a half being the favorite. Um, And then, so sometimes how I look at it is if there's a big money line favorite, a team that's really expected to win, you kind of don't get value on that when it's minus 200, minus 250, but then you're able to find some value in the puck line, say it's like a plus, you know, plus 120, plus 130 number. So in those instances or cases where I usually end up with taking the puck line, if I really think that that team has a sizable advantage, um, but also, too, you can find value in betting regulation as well. So mm-hmm. betting a team to win in regulation, but they don't have to win by one and a half goals. They can just win by that one goal. Uh, it is. It does make an exciting last two minutes if your team is up one and you got that one and a half. Uh, the empty netter is always, you know, something crazy with hockey. Um, for people that don't know, usually teams down a goal with about a minute, minute and a half left. They'll pull their goalie to get an extra skater on the ice and have a six on five advantage against the other team. So the other team is shooting at an empty net, essentially. So that's what really makes uh, makes it exciting and drives that drives that value. But uh, to answer your question, once in a while, but mostly just trying to find the winners and uh, maybe some over under value as well. Yes, over under. Everyone loves betting the over. Keith, uh, I got Keith on the train last night. DraftKings had an incredible bet where you could bet total number of goals in all 10 games. They put it at 57 and a half. I think we ended up hitting 
Oh, it was only like 60. Like that I last think it was game, like 59 or 60. Yeah, yeah. That, that last game was a little uh, less scoring as expected. I think it was a total of six and a half. They only scored three. So very much on the under on that Oilers game. But it was so much fun seeing those. Uh, I think the Islanders and Bruins scored nine. Devils, Sabres scored seven. There's a bunch of sevens and nines out there, which was sweet. Senators scored six by themselves. So that was a lot of fun. And we were on the Jets last night as well, who down three to one, score five unanswered made both of our bets look pretty good. So we were uh, much, much smarter last night. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. Um, especially with the Jets too, you know, that we took that because the Canadians had just fired yep. their coach on Tuesday, thinking that uh, maybe there might be some, you know, dysfunction there. And then they, the Canadians had a hot start up 3-1 and you're getting a little nervous. And then the Jets just start pouring it on, score five unanswered and finish it off 6-3. It was a good day. A lot of fun. Made some money last night, which was sweet. And going back to uh, going back to Devils games. So I actually grew up going to a lot of Devils games as well. My dad's work used to get tickets. So when I was younger, we used to go. So I'm sure there's a couple games we went to. And I was listening to the Pat McAfee show a little earlier today. They had Marc-Andre Fleury on. And Pat told him if Marc-Andre Fleury scores a goal in a game, he will donate $100,000 to a charity of his choice. And now you're probably saying, Mike, why the hell are you telling me two completely different stories? I was actually at a Devils game once where Martin Brodeur, from Martin Brodeur, I apologize, scored a goal. It was like, I don't know, he had a few in his career, like a weird amount, but I was actually at a game and I saw it. At the time, didn't think anything of it. I was just like, that's weird. How the hell did that happen? I was like six. But now looking back, like that is just insane and electric do you remember anything crazy from those devils games considering you've been to pretty much all of them at this point oh for sure for sure so the his best goal that he actually scored was in a playoff game against the canadians uh, i think it was 97 or 98 uh he put one in and they ended up winning that one 2-0 so that was pretty interesting um the best moment i have was probably 03 i was at game seven when they won the cup Whoa. um yeah, you can't get much better than no. that. I mean, seeing the cup in person and uh, our, our seats were five rows up from the ice. So you're right there. And they, they won that game pretty handedly, three nothing. So not much anticipation or, you know, nervous energy. It was all excitement uh, after the first goal was scored. So that was probably the coolest. Um, too, when I was in, in like 2000 as a season ticket holder, we got to go to what's called the Devil's Dinner every year. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're like one of their better players at the time, Scott Gomez. I was able to like sit at his table with him. Um, and for whatever reason, my mom was at a different table and I don't know how to like cut my meat uh, at that time. So he ended up cutting my meat for me, like a 19 year old kid who's like, I have to cut this five year old kid's um, meat. But that yeah. is that's pretty adorable. That is a good. Yeah. Him him being young is like, what the hell am I doing here? But that's see, that's a fun story for him, too, because he tells his buddies that like, we, you know, he went and got bombed later that night. Probably he's like, dude, this is what they fucking make me do. This is ridiculous. But no, exactly. that is a lot of fun, man. And it's pretty funny. And I know I, I grew up a Devils fan. My wife's a Rangers fan now. So I kind of I, I root for the Rangers because I want her to be happy because it's a lot easier. Right. But whenever the Devils play the Rangers, we've been to multiple games. I absolutely have rooting for the Devils. It's more, much more fun. And then they had that incredible run. What was it, 2012, 2013? Yeah, it came out of nowhere, which was awesome. We had a huge party that night because we thought the Devils were going to win. And then they go down 5-3. They, uh, whoever, the Kings or whoever scored three unanswered. And we were just like, mm-hmm. well, this sucks. It was a bullshit <laughs> penalty, too, by the way. Oh, um, I remember that. It was a five-minute yeah. uh, boarding charge on yeah, Bernier at the bullshit. time. Yeah, terrible. What are you going to do, man? So talk to me a little bit more. I want to know, like, so obviously you're making picks for us. You created the model, the model, I think sounds even a little bit cooler. What does it entail, right? Like, don't give away all the secret sauce, but like, how, how did you go about doing this? As you said, you're into the analytics side. Is it, what is, what's, what's the sauce that's behind it? That's been giving you and showing you some of these ideas and picks where you then take your knowledge of the game, 
last five games, paying attention to how teams are playing and eventually make your, your two to three picks a night. Sure. So I think it's important to watch the games first, right? Because obviously everyone's, you know, really digging into the data, but they're not really taking a step back and like, all right, visually, like, does that actually make sense with the data saying? But aside from that, so what I've been doing this year is I've just been tracking how each team's doing uh, on the money line and the puck line, their profitabilities, um, you know, different, looking at different uh, trends like home and away, um, if they're underdogs favored. Um, and then taking uh, natural stat trick is where I get a lot of the advanced metrics. So they track certain things like expected goals, high danger chances, um, the normal advanced stats like Fenwick and Corsi too. So kind of just going through that um, and then looking at it with the two teams that are playing that night, kind of seeing which teams have an edge. Um, I'm also looking at different strengths. So like power play penalty kills, so like special teams is obviously a big driver. Um, a team like the Minnesota Wild, for example, they, they spend seven minutes per game on the penalty kill, but also seven minutes on the power play. So they're at even strength, the least amount. So like that's something you have to take into account. Their even strength stats are kind of less weighted than other teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just kind of just take all that information. Um, and then I take two or three different uh, win probability models that are public um, that kind of incorporate, you know, their different variations of things. Um, kind of cr- use all that information that I have, um, put it into my model and then kind of just pump it out, see where I can get the biggest edges. Um, you know, like a lot of things too, like you don't want to usually take like a minus 180, minus 200 winner because um, in hockey too, most of the teams uh, when they're, you know, that favored, they still only have like a 60, 62% chance to win the game. So that, that game gets played three times. The other team wins it one out of three times. So it's like, how confident do you really feel in making that kind of pick? So it's kind of just going through all that, kind of seeing where I can get maybe a little edge on Vegas that um, the win probability is telling me it's a little better than what Vegas is predicting and just taking those picks. Just taking those picks. And, yo, I've been, I've been tailing all of them. Uh, the, the first you, you had a you had a pretty heavy test the first day we spoke. I was like, hey, man, I, I have a twenty five dollar free bet over at DraftKings. I'm going to put it on a crazy parlay. What can you do for me? And it ended up doubling my money, which I'm not angry about. So uh, I think it was uh, the Knights. Maybe like the Canadians. I don't know. It was like some crazy. I pick. think you yeah, mentioned the yeah. Blackhawks too. Yeah, Blackhawks might have been in there. And yeah, one of them was on the puck line. The other two was just a straight, um, just a straight money line, and it all ended up hitting. Vegas almost screwed me though. They were up like four to one, and the Ducks came all the way back. So I had to stay up till two o'clock in the morning to finish <laughs> that game because you can't go to sleep at that point. So it's been a lot of fun, man, and I, I thoroughly enjoy and appreciate your picks. And so I guess like what are what are some other things that you pay attention to? You, you mentioned some of these advanced stats, but I'll be very honest with you. I don't know how many people actually know what the hell those things are. So mm-hmm. what are high danger chances? That just sounds like a lot of fun. So just talk to me about some of these advanced stats that you look at, because outside of you know the hockey world, people, I'm still betting hockey. I don't know what any of those are. So I love just, I guess, to feel more confident in your picks. How about that? Yep. No, that makes a lot of sense. So let's look at um, where the goalie sits, right? let's make like a home plate. Right. So we mm-hmm. got like, it comes out to like, maybe like the middle, it's basically like the middle of the ice essentially. Um, and from there you can, what people call it also home plate shots, but essentially there's shots where um, the offense has, has a better chance to win because they're closer to the net or okay. a, a better chance to score, I should say. So for example, like a, a team uh, on average probably gets around 10 high danger chances a game. Um, and that's just shooting somewhere in the middle of the ice, you know, not really by the blue line where like the outside is, but you're really like inside there. Um, and then certain teams are, are better at saving those opportunities. They either have a goaltending edge or, or they're better at just getting, you know, getting bodies in front of the net. Um, but yeah, that's just one of the things that I, I like to look at because it's important to kind of see which offenses can penetrate those, you know, tough areas to get involved in because, 
uh, at the end of the day, you're not most of your chances are not coming from those spots. So a team that's able to get in there more is a team that's more likely to win and get more goals. And, and that makes sense. High danger, it does sound like more fun, but it obviously sounds like there's more opportunities. High danger for the goalie and the and the team, the, the defense. I guess how when, when creating the model, how did you weight all these statistics, right? Like I understand that you have, you know, your puck line and your and your money line and kind of seeing how teams are doing like that. But how do you get all these statistics and then how have you figured out how to weight them and understanding, well, hey, as you were talking about before with the wild, you don't weight their even strength as much or their their power play as much because they're on it so much more. So how did you figure out to do that? I mean, it's, I'm sure a lot of trial and error, but and I'm sure you're continuing to improve it. But how did you even start that process? Yeah, so uh, just like learn. So I'm in grad school right now to uh, UVA doing business analytics. So we're kind of just going through the process of building predictive models from that standpoint. So as far as if you're doing like a win probability model versus, you know, an over under goals model, um, some of the algorithms will like you kind of just do some research and you just guessing and testing on which different variables or parameters as they call them would be like better to be put in the model than others. And then from that, you're given like certain scores within the model to kind of, you know, you train a subset of the data and then you use a different subset of the data to test it on what actually happened. So you're training your model on um, previous results and then you're taking that data that doesn't have those training metrics Mm -hmm. and you're popping it into the test data to kind of see how your training, your model that was trained goes to the test data. Um, So you have a lot of trial and error and then just, you know, also just taking all the public information that's out there kind of processing it and then you know the thing is too with hockey i think there's got to be something in the model that says this makes absolutely no sense so flip it and do the exact opposite because Mm -hmm. that's how i feel like a lot like a lot of the bets for example the senators last night had absolutely no business beating the flames six to one so like things like that just like oh the make no sense bet so i i feel too confident about a bet sometimes i don't want to take it because i'm like the exact opposite is going to happen and I, i just know it I like that. That is so true. And in a sport like hockey, right? Like, again, it comes down to those last three minutes more often than not, last five minutes more often than not. And sometimes just a, you know, a bounce of a puck, man. You never know what the hell that thing's going to do. And it can get a little crazy on you. And I guess like how when looking at the information and the data, as you said, sometimes you can be a little confident in it. How like how do you take again, you're you're in school, you're learning more about this. So I'm kind of curious. How do you make sure you take your biases out? How do you make sure that you're looking at it and not just saying like, let me fit the model to the data that I already have, because then it would be perfect. Because obviously we know that's not the case. Like, how do you kind of separate those two things to make sure? Because the better it looks is probably great, but you know that that's impossible to keep that up, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, there's a term called overfitting when you overfit your model too much to make it like too perfect, as you mentioned, um, going off that past data. So uh, it's kind of just you know, like you mentioned, trial and error. And then when you're looking at the like the picks that you want to make for the night too, you really just have to take the teams out of it, right? You really just have to look at the data. So don't worry that it's like the Penguins. Oh, you know, they have Sidney Crosby, they have Kenny Malkin. Yep. You know, you, you can't, you got to look at it. This is team A, this is team B. And my model is saying that team B has a really strong edge tonight. So I have to, I should take team B. I love it. That's it. I'm not disciplined enough. So I appreciate you uh, finding that out and getting this for us again. We've been uh, five straight days. We've been in the money. So that's exactly what we'd like to see more and more days like that. Only one pick tonight. So it's a, it's a very binary. It's a yes or no tonight. So give the, give the people something who, who, what's the pick tonight? What are you liking? And I guess, why did you pick this one in particular? Sure. So as Michael mentioned, we only had three games tonight. We had the Bruins, Rangers, uh, the Wild, the Kings, and then the Coyotes and Avalanche. Um, the money lines were priced pretty good, about what I'd expect. Um, so we didn't want to take a money line tonight. And then I was looking at the over-unders. Um, 
And it, uh, one that really popped out to me was uh, the King Wild, Kings Wild. So we have five and a half there. Uh, we're getting it around minus 103, uh, minus 102 I've seen on a couple of books. So pretty even money. Um, these teams, uh, so one of the stats I look at too is total goals. So goals for goals against on a per 60. And these teams average around 5.5. I think the Wild were about 5.7 and the Kings were like 5.58. Five, um, so right around the, the line is what we like. But the thing with the Kings too, um, right now they're, they're uh, third in high danger save percentage, uh, which is like, you know, it's a very high number and it's something that I don't think is sustainable given their goaltending right now. Jonathan Quick, uh, he's had a cu- couple of good games, but as far as like he's kind of fell off from his Olympic form in 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's only been 11 years since then, so I can't really blame the guy. <laughs> Exactly. No, no, no blame. He's won, he's won his cups, but uh, he's not He's not prime Jonathan Quick anymore. Um, and the Kings defense, too. Drew Doughty, similarly, has also kind of fallen off since his, uh, you know, peak performance when they were winning cups, too. And the team like the Wild, um, the Wild generate some of the most high danger chances in the league. Um, they have this rookie, Kirill uh, Kaprasov, also known as Kirill the Thrill. Um, he's been he's been really getting in there, uh, helping that team. So uh, I think the Wild should take care of business tonight. Uh, they're favored. I think they're about minus 170. But I really just like them to put some goals in the net on the Kings, have their high danger save percentage chance regress to the mean a little bit. And they also haven't faced a team that gets in there as often as the Wild do. Yeah, and this this season in particular, so we're taking the over on that Kings Wild game, five and a half. I actually, if you go to BetMGM, I think it's plus 100. So I went and I snagged it at plus money. Double me up, baby. I'm never angry about that. This year in particular, with all these teams essentially just facing like the same like six or seven teams, would we see the Blues and the Coyotes play seven straight? They literally played a playoff yep. series. Now, from a fan perspective, it is so much fun because now they just beat the shit out of each other. They don't care anymore. We see it all the time now. They are just beating each other up because it's you're just playing the playoffs over and over again. How do you take that into account knowing that, hey, maybe this team just, just fits better again? Like we've seen it in all sports, right? One team is very clearly better on paper, but they just have the other team's number. Let's go with the St. Louis Cardinals against Clayton Kershaw, essentially his entire career. The Dodgers have always been better, but the, for some reason, the Cardinals always pull it out. So how are you taking that into account? And how do you, again, from the the data and the analytical and the statistics standpoint, how does that look at it as well? Yeah, well, there's two two examples that come right to mind uh, when you mentioned that this year. It's the Senators and the Canadians. The Senators have won three out of four against the Canadians. Um, as a bottom team, they have, probably have no business winning three out of four. And the Devils actually beat the Bruins two out mm-hmm. of three games as well. So it's like that doesn't really make much sense either. The Bruins are significantly better on paper than the Devils. Um, so what I've been doing this year is kind of how I looked at it. In the beginning of the year, it was hitting at like a 60 to 70% clip. If teams are pretty evenly matched, the team that wins the first game, I usually bet on the losing team for the second game because I, I think that, as you mentioned too, like they're about to go 50-50. And mm-hmm. most times the lines aren't really you know price juiced uh, in the other team's favor that much. So you're getting some good value from that trend perspective. Um, but as you mentioned, I think it's great for the fans to kind of see these matchups and these teams playing a lot of back-to-backs. And for betting, it's definitely making you second guess. Like, like, are you like you should be you should bet on these teams, or should you really just kind of sit back and be like, all right, like let's look at the data again. Let's not you know let's not take into account that they just played each other and how they match up. But at the same time, like you're getting good value on the Senators. They're about plus two hundred to plus two thirty in all those games. And they won three out of four of them, which is why they're actually not that unprofitable on the money line this year, even though they only have like five wins, six wins. 
Hey, man, if they're coming against a team like the Canadians, who's been pretty good this year, I, I've really been enjoying the, uh, what are they calling it? The North Division? The North Division, it, yeah. yeah. We're calling it, the, it's just the Canadian teams beating the shit out of each other, which is hilarious because somebody has to go to the playoffs, right? We had the, the joke last year in the bubble was we have two teams in Can- two stadiums in Canada. One of those teams have to win and neither end up doing it. It's another American team that pulls it out. Maybe this is the year. We'll see what happens, but it is pretty cool just watching these teams play each other over and over again when normally you really don't get to see that. So kind of cool for the fans. Obviously excited for everything to go back to normal. Hopefully next year we'll see, but it, uh, it's a blast. I'm going to keep betting all these games with you, man, and it's been an absolute pleasure. Keith, where can everyone find you on the internet? Uh, at Keith Cav JR on, uh, on Twitter. Um, and then I also have my, my Tableau public that has the dashboards. Um, if you guys want to take a look, interact with them, uh, you know, shoot me a DM if you have any questions. Uh, I want to get some picks, anything like that. I'm open to, you know, explaining my process and kind of helping people out. Love it. Keith Cav Jr. You can find me at Michael Rizzo one Make sure to check out Keith's articles. They're essentially daily at this point. Uh, and today is free, so I will make sure to link that here as well. So go check it out. Win some money with us. We are on the Kings Wild over five and a half plus money. That's the kind of bet that I'm excited for. I'm going to be watching that game tonight. So appreciate you, everybody. Make sure to follow us at Windaily Sports. Make sure to hop over to WindailySports.com. Check out all the hockey and basketball and MMA and esports, all the shit we got going on. We're here to help you guys. NBA Top Shot. Yes. Oh, yeah. We have some Top Shot stuff up there, which is hilarious. I, whatever, teach his own. If you can make money on it, go for it. I am, I'm always, I'm always for somebody making money. So even if you can't withdraw your money from the account, which is kind of the hilarious part, but that's a whole nother thing. But for Keith, for myself, for everyone over here at Wendelli Sports, we all hope you make it a very profitable Fajita Friday. Bye, everybody. See ya. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.